Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. To most people... The words soul and spirit are interchangeable, even to many Christians. But Hebrews 4.12 tells us that not only are they not the same, but the Word of God can divide them apart. To miss this distinction is to miss one of the keys to experiencing Christ. We will look at the human spirit on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. We'd like to let you know that we'd be happy to send you the free printed full message of Witness Lee's Life Study from Hebrews when you call our toll-free number, and that number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Dick Taylor has returned to the broadcast today, and Dick, we have a very full program today. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here on Hebrews chapter 4. Our program today, Dick, is going to cover several points but certainly not the least of which will be concerning this very key verse in Hebrews, that is 4.12. Would you read this verse for us and place it in its context in the Holy Divine Revelation? Because that context, as we're going to see today, is very significant. That verse is, For the word of God is living and operative, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You're right, Chris, this is a real key. The human spirit here, we see, is divided from the soul. So there is a distinction between the soul and the spirit. And the spirit is really the key to experiencing Christ, as you just mentioned. Now that Christ has been raised from the dead and he himself became a life-giving spirit, when we believed into him, he entered into our spirit. Second uh, Timothy 4.22 says, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This means the enjoyment, the experience of Christ is altogether related to our spirit. So until there's a dividing of our soul and spirit, we will miss the experience of Christ in a consistent way. This verse is the key to all the experiences of Christ in this book of Hebrews, in fact, in the entire New Testament. Hebrews 4 is talking about Christ being our Sabbath rest, and Christ, who is the high priest in the heavens on the throne of grace, well, how can we experience this Christ as our rest? How can we experience someone who's in the heavens? Well, this one is also in our spirit. And the one who's in our spirit is really, according to John 1.51, he's the latter, bringing heaven to earth and joining earth to the heavens. So we today have the privilege of being on the earth at the same time enjoying this Christ who's in the heavens because he's also in our spirit. So our spirit is the key. 
until I learned the distinction between these two, my experience of Christ was quite limited. But I have to say hallelujah for the uncovering of the distinction of the soul and the spirit that we might consistently experience and enjoy Christ. Dick, we don't want to mislead. Our message today really is focused on the experience of Christ. But this matter of the Spirit is absolutely a key to help us in that experience. Amen. Let's go to Witness Lee for this life study message. When I was invited to Indiana, I was staying in the brother's home. One night he was driving me to the meeting. He said, Brother Lee, in the whole USA, for years and years, all the preachers, pastors, ministers, and so forth used to tell people to look into the Lord, who is high in the heaven. But since you came to this country, you always tell people, turn to your spirit. Turn to your spirit to meet with the Lord. This is absolutely different. Two directions. The Lord today is there in the heavens. He's no more here on the earth on the cross. He is there on the throne in heaven. No doubt about this. If the Lord is just there on the throne in heaven without something else. How could we, the people on the earth, have him as our life? He is too far, far away from us. How could we, people on the earth, have him, the Lord, in the heaven as our life and as our life supply, even daily? The Hebrew believers were in a danger. They were staggering, hesitating, in a danger to shrink back. So this book encouraged them to come forward. That means the writer is there. And the receivers are here. And the writer says, come forward. Come forward to the throne of grace. If you are on the earth and the throne of grace is in heaven, how could you come forward? And how could this objective Christ be our subjective experience? Our spirit is the very spot that has Christ himself. Bringing heaven down to us and joining us to the heaven. It is by this, and according to our experience, that we boldly say the throne of grace is right here. This is why the writer of this book firstly told us that we have to experience the dividing of our spirit from our soul. Then, finally, we can come forward to the very God who is on the tongue of grace in the Holy of Holies. The secret of this book for experience is for twelve. The dividing of our spirit from our soul. 
I'm so happy. While we are on earth, we can experience something in heaven. Isn't this wonderful? Day by day, I myself have been experiencing the very Christ in heaven. While I'm still on earth, it's wonderful. To him, it is objective. To my experience, it is subjective. Tell me, where is Christ today? It's not so simple. Where is Christ today? You have to say, in fact, he is objectively in the heavens. In my experience, he is subjectively in my spirit. So, you have to turn to your spirit to experience the very Christ in heaven. Dick, an unmistakable characteristic of the ministry of both Watchman Nee and Witness Lee is this matter of the human spirit. This portion gives us a strong impression today of why this is such a crucial matter. Why is it so important if we are going to be able to respond to this call in Hebrews to come forward to the throne of grace? Why do we have to have the human spirit? We have to have the human spirit because this Christ who's in the heavens is apparently too far away for us to enjoy his life and his life supply. But the human spirit revealed here indicates that Christ, who's in the heavens as our high priest to be our life and our life supply, is also the same one who is with our spirit. Therefore, the heavens and the earth, that is, Christ in the heavens, and we, with Christ in our spirit, are joined and made one. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So we are joined to Christ in our spirit, and this Christ is both there and here. So we can come forward to the throne of grace, as it says in Hebrews 4.16, because now we can turn to our spirit. When we turn to our spirit, we actually come forward to the Christ who is on the throne of grace, dispensing himself as life and our life supply. We can actually come forward to him and experience him because he's both there and here and subjectively, experientially, he's in our spirit. In fact, objectively, Christ is in the heavens. But in experience, subjectively, he's in our spirit. So our need is to turn to our spirit. And again, we should be the happiest people in the whole universe because while we're living on the earth, we can also enjoy this Christ who is in the heavens. So even now, during this broadcast, Chris, you and I apparently were on the earth, actually we're in the heavens with Christ because of our spirit. Dick, I don't think it's too much to say this is a revelation that can revolutionize our Christian living. A revelation that revolutionizes, absolutely. Let's go back to more of Witness Lee. We have a wonderful portion ahead concerning our high priest, Melchizedek. This Christ in the heavens, who is going to experience by us subjectively in our spirit is the high priest. The book of Hebrews is focused on the heavenly Christ. And the chief point of this heavenly Christ is that he is the high priest. The chief point is not that he is the savior. He is the redeemer. He is this. And he's there. 
the chief point of the heavenly train is the high priest. The whole Bible, the first time mentions the term priest was with Melchizedek, and Melchizedek was God's high priest. And uh, not the high priest of a low God, but the high priest of the most high God. The most high should mean most exalted God. And the high priest of the most exalted God is not to offer sacrifices for sinful people to God, but to minister bread and wine signifying the process of God. Today in the Bible you know, when you put bread and wine together, this signifies the process of God to be our supply. Christ today is the high priest, ministering the process of God to us. We are now with Melchizedek. Our Christ today is not Aaron. Our Christ today is much superior to heaven. In Hebrews, who is our high priest? Aaron? No. no. Who? Melchizedek. We like to go back to the beginning, to the first book of the Bible, to Genesis. This is the real recovery. Let's go back to the first book. In the first book, the high priest there was not offering sin offers for the pitiful sinner. No. In the first book, the high priest coming. Glorious to meet with the glorious fighter, the glorious victor. How happy we would be every day before we go to bed. Our Melchizedek would come, ministering to us bright and warm every day at evening time. We will look at the high priest of the most high God coming not to offer sin offerings for you for sinners, but to minister God to you, the good fighter, the fighters of the good fight. Dick, we saw Melchizedek once again in this portion. He is a significant item in the book of Hebrews, isn't he? Yes, he is. Witness Lee said that our Christ is not Aaron today. He is Melchizedek. What does this mean, Dick? Well, the book of Hebrews is focused on the heavenly Christ, and the chief point concerning this heavenly Christ is that he is the high priest. And the most precious point here, Chris, is the fact that Hebrews takes you back to the first mention of the high priest. We do have the mention of the high priest in Leviticus, related to the priesthood of Aaron. But Christ is far superior to Aaron because Christ is according to the order of Melchizedek to enjoy even this matter of the high priest. And Christ being the high priest, we need to go back to the first mention. And this is in Genesis 14. There, 
Christ is revealed as Melchizedek. He's the high priest of the most high and exalted God, and he's not there offering sacrifices for pitiful sinners. But he's there ministering bread and wine for the life and the life supply and the enjoyment to a victorious fighter, Abraham. So it's very good to see that Christ is firstly revealed as the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is far superior to Aaron because Christ is no longer at the altar. He's no longer at the cross. Today he's in the heavens. He's ministering himself as bread and wine. What does this mean? Bread and wine indicate that he's been processed. He's gone through steps. He's gone through a a series of, of steps to allow him, to afford him to become edible, drinkable to us, enjoyable to us as the wonderful, life-giving spirit. And now we can eat him, we can drink him, we can enjoy him, and we can live a heavenly life on this earth through the enablement of his ministry to us as the bread and the wine. What a high priest. Too good for words, Dick. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. You read Genesis 14. Listen to what Melchizedek said. Verse 20. And blessed be the Most High God who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Don't think Abraham slaughtered Kedileomah just by himself. That was not by himself. You read the whole text. Abraham, before he went out to fight the Bible, he lifted up his hand to the Most High God. He came to God. So eventually, it was not he that slaughtered the enemy, but God. God did it. When Abraham lifted up his hand to God to fight the Bible, the situation there was without righteousness. The situation there was without peace. No righteousness because Lot and all his things have been captured by the enemy. But Abraham trusted in God for righteousness and for peace. So when he slaughtered the enemy and came back and Melchizedek came to him, that was the time of righteousness and the time for peace. Who made the righteousness and who made the peace? The high priest. Well, Abraham was fighting, slaughtering the enemies. Melchizedek, the high priest, was praying there. Do you believe Melchizedek was sleeping there? He was sleeping there the whole day. Well, Abraham was fighting, slaughtering the enemies. Melchizedek was sleeping there. After a good nap, good rest, he woke up. Oh, I have to go to Minister Brighton and wine to Abraham. <laughs> Do you believe so? I don't believe. But I believe, well, Abraham was fighting, slaughtering. 
Melchizedek. He was praying. Because Melchizedek was praying. So the Most High God answered his prayer. Amen. And delivered all the enemies into the hand of Abraham. Amen. Then after his intercession, Abraham gained the victory. Melchizedek saw Abraham's victory. And he knew that was the time he had to come with the bride of wine. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? You are doing fine, surely. Because I was praying for you. I come to minister wine and bride here. Our high priest today is interceding for us. You read Hebrews again. You could see the very ministering Christ as the high priest is the interceding one. In the morning, in the day, in the afternoon, well, you will be fighting, loving all these negative things. The high priest Christ, you have to realize, is interceding there. Christ is the king of righteousness, making all things right with God, and making all things and all persons right one with another, because righteousness is there. You read Genesis 14 again. After Melchizedek came, the whole situation there was full of peace. Righteousness was there, and peace was there. There must be a fight for righteousness. And righteousness will issue in peace. Dick, although this may seem quite lofty, talking about Melchizedek interceding for and ministering to Abraham while he was out battling all the unrighteous kings, this to me was a very encouraging word. Many days, we feel like we are caught up in this huge battle, and sometimes we feel that we're just there ourselves, trying to conquer all the enemies. But in reality, we are not alone at all, are we, Dick? We are not alone at all, because... While we're attempting to, in a sense, conquer and slaughter these enemies, Christ himself as the high priest is interceding for us. We couldn't defeat one enemy, let's face it. But because Christ as the high priest is behind the scenes praying, then we are able to slaughter all the enemies. Appreciate the fact that he is busy every day as the interceding high priest praying for us that from the moment we wake up, we would slaughter king after king after king. The first king we need to slaughter is self. It's so good to get up in the morning and turn to our spirit and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Right away, there's a slaughtering of the self. The self never wants to love the Lord. There's a slaughtering of the flesh. The flesh would love to just stay in bed. But as we open up our heart to the Lord, turning to our spirit, singing and praying and calling on his dear name, right away there's another slaughter of another king. But the reason there's a slaughtering is not only we're turning to the spirit, but we're enjoying the answer 
of the prayer of the high priest. The Most High God answers the prayers of our Christ, who is the high priest interceding for us. So we're turning to our spirit, but meanwhile, he's behind the scenes interceding for us that all the things we face in our daily life, all the evil kings would be slaughtered. And then that evening, we have a very good time with him. He comes to minister himself to us as the bread and the wine for our enjoyment. In fact, Chris, I think you would testify too that the moment we join him to slaughter any of the negative kings in our daily life, anything that opposes him, anything that goes against his testimony, right away, not only do we sense he's been praying for us and we've been strengthened by him, we also sense right away he ministers a little supply to us. There's a little bread and wine that comes even before the evening. But then that evening, after a whole day of living like this, turning to your spirit, slaughtering evil king after evil king. We really enjoy his refreshing dispensing uh, as the bread and the wine for our, our life and our life supply and our real enjoyment so we could be his testimony on this earth. Hallelujah for our Melchizedek. Dick, one thing that struck me in this word today was as Melchizedek was able at the exact right moment to minister the bread and wine to Abraham, this was the evidence that he was fully engaged in all of the preceding things that were taking place. He was there in this slaughtering of the kings. And the reward of that, as you said, the result of that is this wonderful feast that we enjoy with him in the midst and on the, even the fringe of this battlefield. That's true. He prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies, in the presence of our enemies. And this indicates, like you said, Chris, he's not sleeping. He's on the job ceaselessly as our high priest interceding for us. What a Christ we have. What a Christ we have. What an encouraging word. Thank you, Dick, for your fellowship today. You're welcome. Please don't miss tomorrow's program. It's a marvelous continuation of this life study concerning the high priest Melchizedek. We will be back with it. And Witness Lee for Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.